Hello everybody and welcome to the second episode of the Media and Journalism Society at UEL. My name is Margretha and today we are discussing learning in a pandemic. Today I'm joined by two members of the Media and Journalism Society. Ladies, please introduce yourselves. Hello everyone, my name is Copelia and I am a student in uh, politics and international relations. Hi everyone, my name is Anobong. I am studying media and communications industry. Thank you so much for joining us. So, as we all know, we are still in a pandemic, COVID-19, and adjusting to life in this pandemic has not been easy. So, as students, we've had to move to online learning, and mm -hmm. that came with its own challenges, and today we are discussing those challenges. So, Enobong, why don't we start with you? What were some of the challenges you faced when you started learning online? For starters, my major challenge was motivation. I found it very hard to get out of bed, get into the mood of study. I, of course, I went online, I did a little bit of research about learning online in a pandemic, and I discovered that I was not the only one. No. And yeah, <laughs> from my experience, right, what I captured was that one of the things that I was dealing with, one of the things that led to the lack of motivation was my inability to control the circumstances, right. you know, and then um, the uncertainties that came with the circumstances, not knowing what's going to happen after this, when is this going to end. And then there were other issues, of course, like mostly those ones were technical, like sometimes mm -hmm. internet failure, you know. So yeah, right. those were some of the things that, but lack of motivation, basically. Yeah, us. me too, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we can all relate to lack mm -hmm. of motivation, just yeah. want to be in bed and not do anything. Papelia, <laughs> um, what about your concentration? Like, did you concentrate well learning online or was it affected at all? Oh, no, no, no. Like, more and more, I feel like my ability to concentrate is decreasing mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, uh, with, um, like, classes like one-to-one -one on campus, I was able to concentrate three hours straight and just continue. And then now, uh, just after 30 minutes, maybe, <laughs> I'm just like <laughs> over and I want to be on my phone or something, just scrolling through Instagram. So, yeah, I think it's really difficult to concentrate in online classes. Yeah. And then, you know, during online courses, you don't have like this contact with the professor, like the eye-to-eye -eye contact. Yeah. Yeah. And so he, he or she doesn't know when you are focus and so you can do everything you you want behind your screen like you can be on your phone mm -hmm. you yeah. can just open a youtube page and yeah, yeah. that's it so <laughs> so yeah it's very difficult to concentrate right right <laughs> so i know that you are both international students and you've had to move to london so moving to a new country can be stressful what about making friends in london how do you go about it you know considering that you're aware online how do you make friends that was very difficult for mm -hmm. me. It's easier to make friends or to communicate when you see people one-on-one -on -one physically. Mm -hmm. But having to deal with people online, um, for, most, for the most part, when we finish lectures, everybody just logs off. Bye, bye, bye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you don't know. So uh, it, it was quite difficult for me. I had to um, summon courage to send a mail to a few of my classmates, like, Hi, um, what's up? Um, please, could you help me? What do you think about this? You know, that's that's how I took the first step. And then, yeah, of also joining the Media and Journalism Society, that was amazing because that's <laughs> where I got to meet um, a lot of cool people. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with you. I won't lie, like, it was 
very difficult to make friends during like online classes because you you can't see like your classmates, yeah. so it's very difficult. At least I have my flatmates, so mm -hmm. it was it was oh, a good okay. thing. But yeah, I think I just met two or three people uh, during um, on campus classes, but that's it. And after it was moved uh, online, so okay. Well, I understand that there's a lot of um, challenges that all the students have faced or many students have faced with online learning mm. but how about something more positive you've you've been a student for almost a year now um most of it most of it being online what kind of solutions have you you know developed to um combat the challenges you are facing uh what are, what what are some of the advices you can give students who are still going to be doing online learning within the next year I don't think that I have advices to, to give, but maybe just don't give up if it's almost over. I hope that it, in September maybe or like everything will be back to normal, like with on-campus classes, I hope. So yeah, just don't give up, just three, three more, more, more months. Three more months. Yeah, yeah. so. Um, apart from when you don't give up, if, yeah. you know, for coming from my perspective from my experience I would advise that you talk to someone it's very important and um, um, as an international student you might not have um, like you have your your flatmate yeah right but I live in I live alone okay so of course I can't talk to I mean except I talk to myself <laughs> <laughs> but, that's but, fine um, the, university, the university has a support system I think it's called the student well-being service so um, I would advise that um, if you cannot talk to a family or a friend you could reach out to the student well-being service there is a portal on the University oh, of okay. London website mm -hmm. and um, there will be someone a professional ready to talk to you University of East London has, has, has thought about everything, you know. Yeah. So it's important that you know you're not alone. Yeah, and even the teachers they are very comprehensive, yeah. so you can just send send them a, an email and yeah, they will understand. Absolutely. Don't give up. Don't give up. Good luck. <laughs> In order to have some of the feedback from students, I just asked Mariam, she's one of my flatmates from uni. This is what she told me. So because of the pandemic, um, it wasn't that helpful for my course especially, since everything we do is online and having only video calls with the teachers, it's not that helpful because for me, uh, my course is more about being in a studio, communicating with students and teachers to see my work. So now I can't do this. All I can do is just send pictures to my teachers and talk to them on video, which is not helpful for me. As well as because I'm an international student, so coming all the way here just to be in my room and having online teaching is not that good. You can say that and not gaining that much experience or, and not as expected, to be honest, from someone who thinks the first year of uni is going to be like more fun, sociable, you're going to meet people, but this didn't happen at the end. I can't tell you what it felt like to meet up with my group members to do some work. I mean, I honestly think we spent more time talking about 
ourselves and each other and just trying to get in get to know each other in person rather than do the work because we were like the first people that in our class that we've met in person so um can't wait to go back in person um but online learning does kind of allow us to go at our own pace for sure and if you're an independent studier i do like that i can go a little faster or slower when i'm looking at some slides for sure and being able to rewatch the lecture too does help It's our second episode, and we are talking about learning and teaching in a pandemic. So just for your information, Andrew, we already did the learning in a pandemic part. Last week, Friday, we interviewed some students, and this week we are interviewing you. To start off, Andrew, can you please tell us about yourself and what you teach? Um, but my name is Andrew Branch. Uh, I'm a senior lecturer in media and communication in the School of Arts and Creative Industries. In terms of my teaching, I teach on our MA in Media and Communication Industries, which is where I know some of you guys. And I also teach on a number of cross, uh, modules across the three years of a number of undergraduate programs. Uh, and they include media and communication, advertising and media production. I'm also um, the new course leader for a degree that we've just validated, which is in media and immersive production, which is quite interesting given the conversation that we're going to have this morning, because as you guys know, uh, in terms of your own engagement with the courses at UEL, kind of immersive is being pitched very much as the kind of next level of, um, of kind of experience, if you like, of mediated experience. So uh, I'm really keen with a kind of wearing a critical cap to think about how that might work out in practice. Um, so that's my teaching. Um, outside of teaching, I'm a researcher. I'm interested in the work of a sociologist called Pierre Bourdieu and how Bourdieu's work relates to the work that we do within the media and creative industries. And I'm also co-founder of a research group called the Cultural Engine Research Group, which is linked to an organisation called the Cultural Engine, which is a community interest company. So that's a company that's kind of interested in doing good work within the, within the community. So uh, they're the various hats that I wear at UEL. Wow, thank you so much, Andrew, for sharing that. Quite, you look like a very busy person from just what you've told us here today. Um, but as we all know, we're still in a pandemic, we're still having online classes and we're still teaching and learning online. So when did you start teaching online and how did you feel about that? Well, it was very much a baptism of fire. Uh, none of you guys, I don't think Kapili was around at that time. I, I certainly know that uh, Enna Bong and, and Margareta and, and, and Ashley weren't. Um, but it was a baptism of fire. It was obviously um, necessitated as a response to the pandemic. So um, March 2020, um, I can almost kind of remember the exact date. I think it was the 15th of March, where the university, along with every other teaching establishment in the country, and if not globally, uh, was having to very, very quickly overnight rethink how it was going to engage with students. I guess as a university, we were, we were in a slightly fortunate position in that at that point, I think there were only around four or five sessions left on most of the modules that we delivered. So I think our colleagues in sort of secondary and primary education had it much worse. 
What were the challenges you faced uh, during uh, teaching in a pandemic? You're going to have to stop me here, guys, because I'm going to get a bit carried away. And uh, so one of your skills will be to kind of, you know, make sure that I don't exceed my time limit. Um, but what a question. Um, the, the short answer is, um, but in terms of the challenges that, that we faced, it was really about how were we going to replicate the experience of the classroom? Right. So if, if we use that as our starting point, it forced us very, very quickly to think, well, what do we kind of take for granted in terms of that classroom interaction? You know, what is it about that classroom dynamic that feels quite special and important? And uh, and I so and I think in, in one or two sentences, the answer to that is if I can go back to kind of Plato and Aristotle, it's the idea that the uh, education is uh, is a public good. Right. And it's the idea that education is predicated on dialogue and therefore it's predicated on inter on interaction. So it's not a kind of one way channel, if you like. I mean, you know, you guys are well versed in communications theory. So I think uh, a lot of credit goes to UEL here in terms of they were very, very proactive in thinking about, okay, what what you know, what tech is in place? You know, we're all well versed with uh, with MS Teams now. We certainly weren't a year ago. I'd never heard of it. It didn't strike me as a piece of software that I was ever going to use in the foreseeable future. Now it's indispensable. So um, the, the university, to its credit, was very proactive in saying, "Okay, we've got a challenge here. Here's some tech that we might use." So, um, but that was the challenge. How, how was how was I going to be able to, or how were we going to be able to, as a, as a learning community, to replicate? the interaction that we take for granted within the classroom. <laughs> Just looking at, um, I think I want to know what are these opportunities or like positive aspects or positive out outcomes that um, have emerged from teaching in a pandemic? I'm neither, I'm neither a neophiliac, you know, I'm not, I'm not as I know many people are, get terribly excited by novelty and new things as if they're automatically going to be great. So I'm not a neo neophiliac, um, but neither am I a technophobe. So I'm not against the idea of, te te of technology. So I'm ambivalent. I sit on the fence. And that's quite a nice place to be sometimes. Um, so I would say in terms of the, the opportunities, it's clear to me now, having taught on Teams, for example, for a year, and having looked at some of the other software that's coming on board, Um, so Zoom, um, but there's loads of third-party apps that are out there at the moment that are, that are, um, are really interesting, uh, particularly going back to my comment at the beginning about immersive media. There's some really interesting kind of um, apps that are uh, and platforms that are out there where, um, let's say, for example, you might be creating um, uh, an object, right? So I don't know, you might be in medicine or, and so there's all sorts of exciting software out there in which you can experience that in an immersive environment. So we might be building something, think about architecture, we might be designing a model that we want to work, that we all want to uh, uh, have a creative input into designing. And we can now do that in an immersive context. So we could all be online, wearing our headgear, And we could see that as a 3D object and kind of, you know, and, and designing it. Now, of course, um, you know, people have been able to do that in architectural studios and art labs for, for decades. So um, whether it 
whether it will enhance the learning experience or not, I'm ambivalent about. My own view is it kind of it's horses for courses. It depends on, on, on which course we're talking about. Um, so certainly there are opportunities there, I think. And also, um, it seems to me that if I'm doing if I'm giving a large a lecture to a large number of students and it's probably a lecture that's more focused on disseminating knowledge. So it's a, it's it's not there will be moments of interaction, but it's about kind of, you know, imparting knowledge to students. Um, I found Teams terribly convenient because, um, I mean, uh, Margareta and, uh, and Ennebon will be too polite to, to, to point out that there may have been glitches, but it was it was quite nice to teach um, MA students and undergraduate students and be able to say, okay, I'm going to share my wind, my desktop now. Let's just have a quick look at these three websites or let's, oh, that's a really good point, student A, let's have a look at that, right? So I could do all of that in the classroom, but it would take, uh, uh, it would take longer and it would be a bit clunkier. So actually, um, just the speed with which you can access different things in Teams and, um, and facilitate um, interaction um, that's a positive, but I'm now going to lead into the, the bit that I'm um, less enamoured by, which is, of course, um, you know, interaction um, can't be, has to go beyond the, the software to state the obvious. So it's great that we've got things called, um, you know, uh, breakout rooms and whiteboards and all of this tech that's facilitating the, the interaction. But if there's no interaction, none of that tech is is relevant. It's superfluous. And, and so one of the things I've been struggling with, and I know that students have, and, but it's, um, it can be, depending on the cohort, it can be quite a kind of oddly lonely and isolating experience teaching online. But students don't always put their cameras on. Um, uh, they're not always um, as vocal as I think they would be in a classroom setting. Incidentally, I think that's a really interesting area of research. Um, and it's one that I'd be interested in following up on in in when I get a chance, um, because of course, there's all sorts of ex possible explanations for that. You know, maybe there's a kind of an anxiety there about being on camera in a, in a kind of, you know, in one sense mediated, because you're obviously on the, you know, you're on the platform. So the fact that there is this issue around actually, we all feel a bit exposed and a bit, you know, and a bit kind of vulnerable as a consequence of that. And that for me has led to a kind of reticence um, on the part of students who don't seem as proactive and as vocal as they would be in the classroom. Um, it might be, and I can only speak of myself, it might be kind of just a bit of good old fashioned narcissism. I mean, I, 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 I've given up worrying now about email, about videos of my, um, of my teaching sessions that I, I'm convinced that the technology has got it in for me because every time I get the video sent to me, the first the first image is me with a very unflattering facial expression. <laughs> and it's a bit like, you know, right, okay, what have I done wrong? You know, but the, uh, but the serious point here is that I do think there's a, I do think there's a kind of vulnerability on the part of students and on the part of, of, of teaching staff as well that, that we kind of need to think about. I think we have one more question from Ashley. So the question is, would you want to go back to teaching in person fully after the pandemic or would it be easier for you to remain hybrid? I think in its current incarnation, dual delivery is not working for me. And, and what I mean by dual delivery is the idea that you have an in-classroom session in which students are physically in the classroom or in the workshop or in the lecture theatre. Um, but you also facilitate an online live streaming of that classroom. 
And it became really obvious to all of us that were teaching on the ground that that wasn't doable because what you were effectively being asked to do was to address two audiences at the same time the people that you engage with in the classroom alongside the people who were who were live streaming and uh, you as a, as a single member of staff you just couldn't do it mm. engaging those two audiences at the same time doesn't work so it seems to me either you've got to find a mechanism by which you can have a second person in the classroom or you say to students that can address that second audience or you say to students let's prioritize the in-classroom experience and for those of you that can't come in because you're ill or whatever reason it won't be the same experience but at least you'll be able to have a video of the classroom session which is much better than we used to be able to offer so i think that's the first important thing is to say let's have a reality check reality check of what works and what doesn't and then in terms of would i go for uh, entirely online or entirely in the classroom i think probably 75 25 in, in favor of in class of in-classroom, but the 25%, I can see that there may be two or three sessions per module where I can see a good justification for it being online, either to access things or to bring other people in. You know, it might be kind of a guest speaker or something that might work better online than it would in the classroom. But uh, but overall, I think I'd err towards the, the classroom model. Mm. Okay, thank you so much. I think that's definitely what um, the students that we've interviewed are also leaning towards. But I think this brings us pretty much to the end of uh, our interview with you. Well, thank you so, so much, Andrew, for yeah, your contributions. You. We've learned so much and I hope you've learned from us as well. Well, uh, thank you ever so much. Thank you for inviting me. It was an absolute pleasure. It's lovely to see you all again. I thought you did a brilliant job. So uh, yeah, happy to be part of what you're doing and carry on the good work.